Welcome to this episode of Profess Hers, a podcast about movies, music, history, pop culture, current events, and literature, all discussed with the perspective of women's issues and feminism. I'm Allegra. So, I've done the math. I have spent at least 520 hours watching Grey's Anatomy. That's too much. Yes. I don't know that anyone would disagree, but it is the equivalent of something like 20 days. And I'm Misty, and I'm pretty sure I didn't spend 520 hours getting my master's degree. I think you maybe did that wrong. (laughs) There's a happy medium in there somewhere. Uh, Yeah. Oh, and I'm Christina. We have a guest. And I don't do math, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure I spend 80% of my free time watching TV. You do? Yes. Okay. You have free time? Barely. Enough to watch TV only? 15% of my life. Is free time. <laughs> then 80% of that 15%. With, this is too many numbers. It's too TV. many numbers. It's I TV. feel like you're drowning out my bombshell number, which is 520 hours. What are we talking about today? As always, I want to be the center of attention. So let's. T- we're going to talk about fangirls. So tell me what you think of the word fangirl. How do you hear it used? I generally hear it used in reference to K-pop. <laughs> I'm not sure why Christina's laughing. It's funny. K-pop is funny. Fangirl, K-pop. <laughs> so you, you're used to hearing it in reference to large numbers of adolescent girls, young women screaming very emphatically yes. about a boy band. A boy band. From okay. Korea. Got it. Christina, how do you ever hear the word fangirl be used? Um... I didn't know it was used for boy bands, but that's that's good to know. Sounds about right. My childhood, I didn't have that experience, but Me um, yeah. You weren't into boy bands? No, no, no. Corny. It's I like how Misty corny. sounded disgusted by the very suggestion. <laughs> but I've heard it in terms of like when you said I was fangirling about what's that show with the dog. Remember, we met the producer. Wishbone. Wishbone. I was fangirling about the guy who created Of all the shows. Yeah. It was part of my childhood. Wishbone. So I always hear this phrase, this word used in a derogatory way, or at least in a way to make fun of men who are fans of something. Oh, really? Yeah. So they're like, oh, look at those nerds fangirling over Star Wars. Because it's supposed to be insulting to call them girls. Oh, okay. So I just want to say that I'm 100% in favor of enthusiasm, whatever you're enthusiastic about. Except if it's history, because you seem to... That's a joke. But I, I, I mean, it's, it's actually something very important to me to, to support people's enthusiasm. Because I think there's a lot of, like, Game of Thrones came out mm. last season recently. A lot of people are very excited a lot of people very you eager don't like rain on to parade. rain on parades, yes. right? Like mm-hmm. to make fun of it. Oh, I guess I'm the only person who's not a Game of Thrones loser. You know, all of that. So I don't ever want to make fun of somebody for being enthusiastic or excited about something. I think there's something fundamentally wrong with you if you can't just let people enjoy things. Whatever they are. You like the Real Housewives. I mean, not murder, but, you know. Just let people enjoy things, even if you don't enjoy them. You know, a friend of mine once said, don't yuck anybody's yum, which means, you know, if they like it, let them enjoy it. 
I do think there is a derogatory term with fangirls sometimes. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely has the connotation of being frivolous. Yes. I mean, it's supposed to give you the image that Misty's having, right? Like of a adolescent girl screaming because there's a cute boy singing a song. So when you use the f- when you use it, you're trying to make fun of somebody, in a way, yes. for being enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to say, if you're a fangirl, just do it, man. Whatever it is, I feel like I get like that when I get to see politicians live. You You've really seen me do. see a politician live. It's real gross and weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like what? What happened to you? You hate everything. Why are you so excited all of a sudden? It's amazing. But as a person, it was part of my like core values as a human to embrace and let people be excited and enthusiastic about things. So I'm happy for you. Thank you. But it's weird. <laughs> I touched him. I did touch him. He's a historical figure. Yeah, Can I touched him. He's been on I C-SPAN. I touched Bill Clinton. There you go. Not many people can. Well, no, nope, we have, we have no, well, nope, nope, well. no follow-up comments whatsoever. That's not this kind of podcast. Oh, I touched him without his consent. So we're going to talk about. <laughs> Cut that. No, it's it's staying in there now. Love it. You did it. It's happening. This is now the Joe Rogan podcast where we just <laughs> three people, microphones sitting in a room, just talking trash. I fangirl out on Joe Rogan all the time. He does have the world's most popular podcast. He does. What? Really? Yeah. Are you mad? (laughs) How is it not something good? (laughs) Hey, hey. It's this right here. It's this. It can't be Terry Gross. It's this. Diane Reed. It's this exact vibe. It's just like people laughing and joking. Don't yuck my yum, Misty. You listen to Joe Rogan? I do. Okay. Whatever. I just don't understand. Okay. I mean, like. I need number to wind down, okay? No, number one. He's number, the one number one. Number one. Yeah. People this like American to Life? No. They like to relax. I mean, I think if you included a number of people who listen to This American Life on NPR, not just some podcast downloads, maybe it would beat it. But no, he's 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 number one. Good for him. It's important to be number one. It's something, I guess. You ought to tag him in this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to get like twice as many downloads of this episode. Yeah. If I include the words <laughs> yeah, of Joe, Joe Rogan, Rogan. Yeah. in the podcast description. <laughs> so on that note, we're here to talk about things that we are unabashedly, unashamedly fangirls of. Obviously, I'm talking about Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> but I don't get to go first. Am I going first? We saved the best for middle. You're going first, Misty. Awesome. All right. So I'm here to talk about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which I feel like I have already talked about so so much so here's yeah that's part of the reason we're doing this episode you've made like a dozen mentions to it i've mentioned Grey's anatomy several times um so i I think it's important to get into it okay so this is a show that was on the cw and i'm not gonna lie i'm a little embarrassed that i like a show we just got done explaining how no one should be embarrassed for liking things i yeah that was your personal truth not mine (laughs) So I'm a little embarrassed that I like a show that's on the CW was on the CW, but I do. I love it's it. The, it's the network that brought you The Vampire Diaries, Supernatural. Do you know your audience at all? The Flash? No, I know. That's I'm just trying to make it worse for you. Okay. Yeah. So the I The Vampire Diaries spin-off, which I can't remember what that was called, but yeah. The originals. The originals. How yeah. do I know that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I avoided this show for a long time because of the name. Yeah. The name is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Allegra. And you just felt it hit too close to home? 
I've never been a crazy ex-girlfriend. Mm, no, okay. I'm really good at compartmentalizing people in my life. So, like, when I'm done with you, I'm done with you. So you're sociopathic ex-girlfriend? Sure. Sure. You're dead to me. All feelings have been discontinued. <laughs> okay, but... Okay, so I don't want to explain this show to people. Do you think we're not smart enough to understand it? I want this show to explain itself to you. Oh, so you're going to do that thing where it's like, you just have to watch it. No, I'm not going to do that thing. You have to listen to it because this show is a musical. I'll be honest. I'm surprised. You like two TV shows total in your life. I love musicals. I really love musicals. What? Yeah. You didn't know that? You make fun of me for reading novels. I like musicals. And you like musicals. Yeah. Broadway's had a great I 10 don't years. I understand what is happening in my life. Okay. So we're going to play. You're se- going to make me watch a musical number is what I you're am. saying. Right. We're going to play uh, season one's theme song. And every season has a different theme song. So here we go. I was working hard at a New York job making dough, but it made me blue. One day I was crying a lot, and so I decided to move to West Covina, California. Brand new pals and new career. It happens to be where Josh lives, but that's not why I'm here. She's the crazy ex-girlfriend. What? No, I'm not. She's the crazy ex-girlfriend. That's a sexist term. She's the crazy ex-girlfriend. Can you guys stop singing for just a second? She's so broken inside. The situation's a lot more nuanced than that. C-R-A-Z-Y. Okay, we get it. Crazy ex-girlfriend. Okay, so the premise of the show is she's a crazy ex-girlfriend. Is that Rebecca Bunch, mm-hmm. played by Rachel Bloom, is working in New York and by chance happens to run into her ex-boyfriend from when she was 16 years old. Okay. Moves across the country to California. Yeah. And basically inserts herself into his life and tries to become his new girlfriend. Be honest, it sounds like a crazy ex-girlfriend. Yes. The thing is, she is literally dealing with Mental instabilities. Okay. So, like, she has mental health issues. She has mental health issues. And so, as you follow her throughout the seasons, you're seeing all of these things through her point of view. Sure. And you're kind of seeing how she's a crazy ex-girlfriend, but also seeing how she's pushed sometimes into being the crazy ex-girlfriend. Sure. So, I mean, there there are a lot of people who think behind every crazy ex-girlfriend is a romantic partner Giving mixed signals. Right. Yeah. She is going to interact with all these different people. And one of the things I really, really, really love about this show is the representation and diversity that's in it. Okay. So, for instance, her love interest is a guy named Josh Chan. Yeah. And he's Filipino. Cool. And so we have a Asian male love interest. Sure. Which is almost never seen on network television. Sure. Especially not in a relationship with the main lead who is a white right person right yeah and then he's played by a guy named vinnie rodriguez and in real life vinnie rodriguez is gay that's cool So he's playing a straight male lead um and then if you go throughout their friend group there's another guy in their friend group named white josh because we already have josh sure so he's white josh so i think so white's not the default that's cool yeah and the guy's gay white josh is gay i thought she was in love with white josh no she's in love with josh chan but then I thought she fell in love with White Josh. No. she ne- They do not get along, ever. He kind of hates her. So White Josh is gay. Who did she meet at the sports bar? Uh, she falls in love with Greg. Greg. And then with a guy named Nathaniel. Okay. Um, so, I watched like one episode. Because I won't <laughs> shut up about it. I clearly watched enough to just confuse myself. Um, you have a representation of bisexuality in her boss, Daryl. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, he actually sings a song called I'm Getting By. That's nice. Yeah. It's like a 1980s theme. 
and you have a non-binary representation in AJ. Um, wow. AJ's from the fourth season, and you are never really presented with AJ's gender one way or the other, but it's not treated like Saturday Night Live with Pat. Oh, my God. It's done in a really, really respectful way. Okay. It's I like just, it. AJ is who AJ is. Um, another reason I really love this show is that, well, one Rebecca in the show is our hero. Yeah. But she's not perfect. And she makes a lot of mistakes. And she's kind of confronted with those mistakes time after time after time. And it's the core girl group around her that oftentimes helps her see that. So within her core girl group, mm-hmm. we have Paula, who is kind of a mother figure to her. All right. Paula. We have Paula, who's like a mother figure to her that she meets at her office. Heather, who is her neighbor, who's kind of over it all and doesn't really care about a lot. And if there's one I relate to, it's Heather. Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. And then there's Valencia, who's like the sexy, fun one. Valencia, originally in the show, is Josh's girlfriend. So if there's a trope in basically every rom-com, the guy that's with the current girlfriend that we want them to break up, right? Yeah. She's a not great person, right? So okay. Valencia is his is his girlfriend. When the show opens. And because we love Rachel, we immediately... Are supposed to hate Valencia. ...want Valencia to disappear from the scene. Yes. What you're telling me is over the course of the show, Valencia becomes one of her friends. Yes. Okay. So we're breaking down some tropes, right? Sure, yeah. Um, at one point, she and Josh are going to get married, and Valencia is their wedding planner. So that's how closely she integrates herself so into this. let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Do you think it's just a satire of the crazy ex-girlfriend trope? Trope. Or do you think that it's more than that? That it's a closer examination? That it's an attempt to, to show us that every quote-unquote crazy ex-girlfriend is in truth a complex, nuanced, real person with this whole range of feelings. Like, do you think it's a satire of the trope or do you think it's digging into the trope and showing us? I think it's a dismantling of the trope. I don't think it's just a satire. And I also think that there's a lot of messages embedded in here in a nice, easy, breezy way. Sure, because it's a musical. That women should really pay attention to. So I would like to give you Exhibit B. Okay. You're going to make me listen to another freaking song. I am. She's crazy. Who goes into a courtroom and says all of that? She's, she's... Oh my God. I know what's happening. What? Look, I've seen a lot of Hallmark movies and the look on people's faces before they run and confess their feelings. That's your face. No, no, no. I used to like her, but... But... You still do. And I don't want to be your backup plan. What are you saying? I'm saying... Don't settle for me. What? Come on, dude, don't settle for me. Trust me, I know, guys. And that look in your eyes means you're in love. Love? Who are you all of a sudden? Shut up and listen to my wise reprise. We've had some fun together. Hold on a second, Heather. But I need, like, so much more. I'm way too badass to be someone you settle for. Go see her, okay? Okay, so like the whole situation there, we don't really need to get into, but Heather, oh, thank God. Heather and Greg are dating, and this is her breaking up with him. 
And she's saying, I'm too awesome for you to settle for me. I'm not going to be your backup plan. And okay. I think that is something that every woman needs to know and needs to hear. Sure. I think way too women are... I mean, I married my backup plan, but it's turned out fine so far. What was plan A? Eh, I don't know. <laughs> Europeans. I have nothing for that. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to say what was plan A. I thought the joke was just going <laughs> to land with, I married my backup plan. And then we move on. I didn't know you were going to inquire further. I didn't have a follow-up joke. So I just think that nobody should be the backup plan. <laughs> no, I mean... and. I think it's a good point, right? Like, I'm awesome. You're awesome. We should both end up with people for whom we're number one. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, Another thing that I really, really love on this show. You look like you're reevaluating your marriage, Christine. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that was an option. Oh, yeah. Just kidding. I love you, Bobby. (laughs) Another thing I really love about this show is that they handle mental illnesses with a lot of respect and a lot of dignity. But they also make jokes, right? They also make jokes about it. So I think that's important, and that's something that is relatively new to the conversation of representation, is, like, if it's real... I mean, comedians have been making this point for, I don't know, centuries, eons. But that if... 50 years. (laughs) But, like, if we are going to be inclusive and be representative, then that means that... You know, we can talk about race or we can talk about mental health or we can talk about gender and we can make jokes. We can't make fun of a person for being, right, a member of a marginalized class, but we can make jokes surrounding or involving those issues and not just to be edgy, but because, you know, sometimes funny things happen. Well, and so um, Rachel... Bloom, yeah, the actress and also one of the writers for the show, has always had the plan in the show that the main character is going to have a mental illness. And they did a lot of research on what this is going to look like. So it's a good representation of mental illness. Yes, it's funny. Yes, they do it in song form. But she has an actual mental illness. So, so if a person watching it has a mental illness, they can watch it. They can find it relatable, but they can also see that there are funny moments in the life of a person who has a mental illness, which I mean, and that's the point, right? That humor helps us understand and normalize things. So if it's part of the conversation, then it can also be part of the conversation in comedy. And her mental illness is not appropriately diagnosed at first. That happens a lot, definitely, especially in women, right? Because people don't, doctors have uh, a tendency to, or well- they're less likely to believe a woman when she reports her symptoms or they're more likely to think that they're related to um, other factors. And so it's later on in the series. It's only four seasons and it's on Netflix now if anybody wants to watch it. But it's later on in the series. She actually attempts suicide. And it's oh. from that suicide attempt that she actually gets a good diagnosis about what she has. And I hope I'm not spoiling anything here, but... She ends up. Well, it sounds like you're telling us something that happens in the fourth season. So, yeah. It's not the fourth season, but she ends up having borderline personality disorder. I mean, just telling you what the diagnosis is is not a spoiler, but she has borderline personality disorder. I could have told you that from the one episode I watched, but. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but me not knowing really anything about mental illnesses. I know a lot about, you know, doctoring, health, mental health, diagnosis. I don't really know anything about that. 500 hours of Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. So, like, you're basically a doctor. Yeah. 
it was nice to watch and to have it Absolutely. be factually based. Yeah. And it was also nice that they didn't just say, oh, she has bipolar and just leave it at that. Like they explore it. They dig took in, the yeah, time dig into it. to not give her a TV diagnosis, to give her a real diagnosis. And she wasn't cured the next day. Like, oh, no, absolutely. Here's a pill. Now you're no. good. Yeah. Yeah. And when they end the season, she is not cured. There is no cure for borderline personality sure. disorder. Something you have to live with, not cure. Sure. And they make that point over and over again. All right. So I'm going to make y'all sit through one more song. It's the last link. It's I better have. than you talking. So shush your mouth. And this is another. I like how Christina is, is here. Sort of. Well, I feel like after such a heavy lunch and my pants are cutting into my <laughs> waist, it's cutting off the oxygen to my brain. So I'm tired and I'm giggly. All right. So. <laughs> Just, just, when, just when you think the Professor's Joe Rogan episode couldn't get any better. <laughs> There's a stigma for a lot of people around taking medication for mental illnesses. I've never taken a medication for mental illness. This is not something I've personally experienced. But I have a really close friend that would constantly stop taking her medication because she didn't want to be the type of person that was on medication for the rest of her life. But if you had diabetes, you'd be on medication and you'd be fine with it. I have asthma and I'm on medication. Yeah. It's the same thing. I mean, th there's two things, right? So one is the stigma and the social implications. The other is most mental health medication has side effects. We're going to talk about that here. On your mental health yes. and on your state of being. Yes. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people stop taking it because they don't like the side effects. Now, a lot of people especially who are bipolar or with borderline personality disorder, who I know, if they stop taking their medication, it's because some sometimes their mental illness makes them what they perceive to be a better person. So more productive, right, right. more uh, engaged in conversation. Yes. And sometimes medication can kind of dissociate you a little bit from um, what's happening around you. And so sometimes it's side effects and sometimes it's stigma and sometimes you're right there is this idea like i don't want to be on medication for the rest of my life right which i mean like you said sometimes you just have to be on medication for the rest of your life mm -hmm. and sometimes it's for mental health and sometimes i mean lots of medications mm -hmm. they're just going to have to gradually keep increasing for the rest of your life so rebecca doesn't want to start taking medication in this episode she's already done it before she's been off of it she doesn't want to get back on and so this is a conversation between her and her doctor explaining why it's okay to be on the medicine and why you should be on the medicine, or at least in her case, why she should be on the medicine. From the moment that we learn to walk and speak, our parents tell us everyone's unique. Now I'm not saying that advice is bad, but honey, you're not special cause you're sad. Not special, no you're not. The butcher, the baker, the grocery clerk, they're all on 20 The shakers, the happy homemaker. You'd be surprised how many of them know. Antidepressants are so not a big deal. Big whoopee on an antidepressant. Sweet treats, here's the deal. Welcome to the club with open admission. You're cast in the play that has no audition. Yes, everyone is special. That's usually the sitch. But when it comes to meds, you're such a basic bitch. Fluoxetine, fluoxetine, paroxetine, paroxetine. Our lawyers won't let us say brand names. 
Was she seeing and hearing people seeing because of her mental? So basically, yes. Oh, okay. That's how she deals with things when she's stressed out. She imagines that everyone in her life is like in a musical. Oh, okay. So not everyone. So she's not hallucinating. She's not hallucinating. These are just like daydreams that she's having. Mm. Um, So this show has been called one of the most feminist shows on television. I don't know if I'd agree with that. And appropriately, it has really terrible ratings. It always has had really terrible it, ratings. It always has. And some of that has to do with the musical situation. And also, I think it it's, I don't know, it's, it's not a fit for the CW target demographic. It's not. Um, but, but also, they, I don't know. I mean, it's not a fit for the CBS. T- I mean, people who are watching NCIS New Orleans, you know, are probably not going to also... Obviously, there's going to be some overlap, but I'm talking in terms of big numbers. I don't know. I mean, it seems like a show that would be really successful on Netflix or Hulu. Um, it was pitched to Showtime and they passed. So that's how it ended up on the CW. Showtime shows suck anyway, so it's fine. So um, even though the terrible, terrible, terrible ratings continue to exist all three seasons, the CBS, uh, sorry, the CW gave them a fourth season because they had always said they wanted to do four. And that's how they got to close it out. So one of the reasons that they kept it was the CW executive said they thought that it raised the content of the shows that they aired. By so it made this. the CW look smarter. Legitimate. And more legitimate. Yes. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> it's always had great critical reception. Um, it's yeah, got and, a really I mean, great she's, rating on. She's she's wildly respected. Yes, uh, among people who produce musicals on Broadway. Um, I mean, I've just read a lot of a lot of you know things on Twitter and interviews with and about her. Um, they've been given an Emmy, a Critics Choice Award. So I want to know what your hot take is. What does that mean? What planet do you live on? I don't know what that means. Your hot take. It's like an unpopular opinion that you have about the show. My unpopular opinion is I love it, and nobody else does. So if we were in a room of people who love the show, what controversial oh, opinion could you okay. stand up and say, I think blank, Okay, and Ooh. everyone would be like, boo. Okay, hold on. Let me think. All right. So my hot take is that at the end of the fourth season, she is placed in this love quadrangle. I where- thought she got married. No, she didn't get married. She's a crazy ex-girlfriend. She can't get married. You said she married him and his ex-girlfriend. Oh, no. He left her at the altar. Oh, my God. Yeah. There's a little bit of, like, telenovela involved here. Okay. Well, then I'm going to watch it. Oh, now you've got her involved. (laughs) So she's in this love quadrangle, and she's trying to decide who she wants. I think what you are supposed to be cheering for is that she is taking care of herself and addressing her own mental illness and that she is going to eventually learn how to live on her own, even if none of these men want her. Sure. And I wanted her to end up with Nathaniel. Okay. Nobody know. knows who Nathaniel is. I know. I know. Why did you want her to end up with him? I think I really like the actor that plays him, and he's from Texas. He's from Frisco. It doesn't really take a lot. It really doesn't. And I didn't like the other two options, so. You didn't like take care of yourself and your mental illness? That that, that I meant the other two That one wasn't options. alluring for you? Greg and Josh. What ha- so, so don't tell options. us what happened. I'm not going to tell you what happened. That's your hot take. Yeah. Sometimes there's too many songs. You could have given us that one. I mean, that's the perfect, <laughs> that's the perfect hot take. Uh, uh, Christina, you want to go next or do you want to? I mean, I can if you're, you said earlier, save the best for middle. So <laughs> I'll go next. Yeah. So here's the thing. I'm about to pass out. 
I, you can't leave when you're done. It's like graduation. You can't just walk out when you walk across the stage. You have to cheer for everyone else. Okay, so Christina, what what show are you fangirling about that you want to talk to us about? Okay, due to my short attention span and terrible memory in recent... Hold on. We didn't ask you to d- double disparage yourself <laughs> before introducing a show oh, you no, like. Oh, no, no. I'm not disparaging myself. I work really hard, so I have every right to be exhausted okay. and have memory loss. Fair so enough. I'm totally high-fiving myself right now. Um, <laughs> For your memory loss? Yes. Love it. Because it was well-earned. Um <laughs> But there's a series on Hulu okay. called Shrill. Okay. And I always say her name wrong. Is it A.D. Bryant? It's A.D. Bryant. A.D. Bryant. I always want to say Ida because that's my aunt's name. Sorry. Um, but anyways, she plays a character named Annie who she calls herself fat and she's fine with it and most people are. Yeah. A lot of uh, people who review the show say she's full figured but whatever your preference i mean so i mean if she calls herself fat, fat then yeah then let's call her what she wants to be called okay so she's trying to change her life but not necessarily her physique she's fine okay with her physique so it's not a the- dieting show no no for the most part she's fine she's happy whatever um but you know there's still those moments of self-doubt sure. and wanting to be the stereotypical not stereotypical, but what society perceives as beautiful. Yeah. Then, you know, all that other good stuff. And so she's trying to start a career while also juggling bad boyfriends. But, you know, they focus on one this first season. And I don't think they're all bad. Well, they're also not all boyfriends, technically. So I'm getting into too much. I'm getting into my head. Sorry. Intriguing. So, yes. Yeah. So she's juggling that along with um, her dad is very sick. I believe he has cancer. Mm-hmm. So he's going to treatment. And then she just has this interesting boss who, um, well, I'll talk more about him later. But it's it's a new show. Brand new. Just came out in March. I've seen all six episodes. There's only six. So I love that. It was easy to binge watch. And I didn't feel bad. Because I didn't waste Because it. you haven't spent <laughs> over 500 <laughs> hours of your life watching it. Well, I've spent, I'm sure, that amount on other shows. But um, so it's definitely a comedy, but it, it has its, you know, hard-hitting moments. Sure. So it's loosely based on the memoir by uh, Lindy West. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Lindy West is a writer and producer for the show, as is A.D. Bryant. I have read the book. Mm-hmm. Which I need to do um, when I have time. but i have not seen the show yeah it was uh, i i really enjoyed i mean i got sucked in the first episode i thought okay i need to continue because this is good i'm about halfway through it it's pretty good yeah it's good and the soundtrack is amazing yes yes it is so ad bryant as you all know also on um saturday Saturday night Night live Live. yeah so that's that's cool because she is co-writing and co-producing and starring in this TV show on Hulu while she is an SNL cast member. Yes. So she's doing both. She's Well, yeah, she's the star of the show. Isn't Lauren Michaels so it makes sense. also involved mm-hmm. in the Probably. production? Probably. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. So why do you love it? Uh, I love it because I feel like Annie is very relatable. I feel like she is me when I was, you know, in my early 20s, late teens. Um, just not very sure of myself wanting to be happy knowing that you're smart and knowing that you have skills, but you're lacking the confidence and that oomph or that attitude to, to, you know, 
push you to the top. So, but it, the show again, she has a few moments. I love her her encounter with the um, physical fit fitness trainer. It was oh early on. Yes, I'm not going to spoil it, but it was just you know. That typical encounter where people assume, and it's a lot of people, it's not that just the physical trainer, they assume that you want to be skinny, that you want to lose weight, and that you're miserable. Yeah. Because you don't fit a certain, you know, body type. So, um, it's not the stereotypical, I hate my body, she's not constantly bashing on herself, and, and there is... There is a part where with her mother where, you know, her mother tries to lose weight, so she pulls Annie in with her to try it out, but... Annie quickly discovers this is not for me. So mm-hmm. she w- she just wants to be ha- happy with herself. So that's why I love it. It's yeah, just, I mean, I like the relatable. way the way you said it earlier, which is she's trying to change her life, but yes. not her body. Yes, yeah. So the show definitely goes against, like I said, the ideal beauty standards that are yeah. fed to us by Hollywood. Yeah. But um, if you don't like looking at normal people... <laughs> Okay. Then, then you, know, you should probably you, then you probably shouldn't watch the show because if you just watch movies and TV to get away from reality and you assume everybody is what I consider quote unquote beautiful. Okay, so if you're looking for something easy breezy yes. with with not a lot of substance, mm-hmm. this show's not for you. No, no. There's okay. yeah. Just there right. was yeah, there was an episode about abortion which Wasn't it the first episode? Like, no. It was a Second or third. I think it was the third. But it just, I'm like, come on, it's a funny show. Why are we talking about abortion? But it, I think it was a good, not a not a good, but it, like it showed she's a normal person and not every female going through it has the exact same feelings. Sure. Because they always want to portray it as, you, you know, you feel really guilty, you're really upset, but that's not necessarily how everyone feels. And yeah. And we shouldn't tell people how they should feel. Well, and maybe my reading of it was different but didn't like it give her some sense of like and en- not entitlement but like power like she was kind of taking control of her life back that's how i read it uh, I mean, yes you could see it that way yeah because definitely having a child as we both know <laughs> is a lot of responsibility um so yeah she definitely made that decision for herself so i think it was I don't want to say empowerment, but, you know, she's a human being. She has choices to make. And this is the decision that she went with. And knowing that the father probably wasn't going to be involved, that she wasn't going to get a lot of help. I mean, you know, all of these factors are running through her mind. The way she got pregnant is just. Well, talk about that because that's really interesting. Uh, What? Uh, Not using a condom. Yes, that's the appropriate term. Well, but not just that. Um, (laughs) She takes plan B. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes. So they don't tell her yeah. at the pharmacy. Nobody that, ever tells yeah, you. Yeah, you have to be a, under a certain weight. 175 pounds yes. for anybody listening. Yeah. So if you're yeah. over 175 pounds, it's most likely not going to work. There's a different pill. So she had taken it several times, but n- the pharmacist never talked to her about yeah. it. They never had a conversation about it. So yeah. she was very confused. There is, um, a, there is a different pill. Um, for people whose weight is over the plan B. It's a different dosage, essentially. So, I mean, you just, you're right. A pharmacist should, I mean, well, what was so funny go about over that, that. That scene is that it's a female pharmacist telling her, oh, well, did you know that there's a weight limit? Yeah. And she's like, why did the male pharmacist never tell me this? And she goes, oh, he's real bad at his job. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just said like, oh, yeah, he's he terrible. Yeah. Did not care. Um, But yeah. 
So, and I, I mean, I can understand as a pharmacist, you don't want to broach the topic of how much do you weigh. I mean, but you but could just say you it to just everybody. Give, yeah. Just say it to everybody. Because, and you can't tell how much people weigh just by looking at them. And you so. also don't know that the person buying it is the person who's using it. Exactly. Yes. So yeah. you, I mean, if you just have the practice of, I just want to, you know, I tell all my patients that this works for people up to and including this weight. If the person who needs this weighs more than that, you need a different pill. That would it, be helpful. I mean, it's not hard to say these things. People act like these are super delicate. I don't know what to say. I mean, you but just, if you're a pharmacist, it's literally your job. Right. Yeah, absolutely. To make sure. But now you can so, get it over the counter, I think. So I think some, you know, some of the critics I was reading what critics were saying, because, you know, I can't help but look at what trolls. Right. Uh, but saying that it glamorized abortion. Well, and I don't, anytime I don't a woman did. does anything in what you might consider a gray area. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It is criticized as a woman glamorizing. glamorizing it. Yeah. And they didn't pull, she didn't pull up in a limo. They didn't bust out champagne bottles. <laughs> she wasn't laying in a bed of money. I mean, I don't know. To me that's glamorizing things. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, I think what you're saying is is interesting that it's just she's telling one story of one person. She's not saying this is all abortion. Yeah. This is yes. all pregnancy. This no, is all any all. this is a story. Well, and it wasn't salacious. Yeah, no, not at I all. I mean, to be honest, it's a thing that happens, right? Yes. Sometimes it happens, and it's never on TV. Yes. Well, I think that's changing, though, because there was a crazy ex-girlfriend storyline about it, too. And, and in that case, the person who has an abortion is married and already has two kids mm. and just can't handle a third kid. Yeah. And I think also... Scandal? Am I right? Scandal had an abortion story? Yeah. I think that's changing. I think it's becoming it. more more discussed and more shown yeah and not in like a scandalous way like it's not a back room and it's not dark and scary and so tell us about representation okay so there's definitely a very diverse group of people represented i still feel like there should be more you know latinx community latinos but that's just me um but there are uh it's not just you probably but no no but annie so annie's roommate is and her best friend is black i'm not sure where she's from she has an accent and I'm not good at guessing accents. So well, I'm going to refrain from doing that. And um, her brother comes out. Uh, her roommate's brother comes out on a episode that was, you know, it's really good. It was a good episode. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, but, you know, then you have people with all. Well, and her roommate is also a lesbian. Her boss is a gay white man. Oh, and, that's right. Um, her work husband, as I like to call him. Yeah. I forget his name. He's black as well. Um, but I do. I feel like there's more. It's more realistic representation. You have all people with all body types, body shapes. Yeah. Um. So, you know, again, there could be even more, but um, it's hard to cover in six episodes. So, so Amy Bryant is is a white woman. Yes. And she has these relationships and friendships mm-hmm. with people of color on the show. Yes. Are they one-way relationships no, or are they two-way? They are definitely two-way. Okay. So sometimes I forget she's the main character. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's interesting yes, in and of itself. The um, Her work husband, you know, he gets mad at her at one point and it, he has a life. He has every right to be upset with her. And yeah. um, the world does not revolve around Annie. And he's very quick to point that out. And her roommate is just... So comfortable with herself. I'm jealous. <laughs> um, Lolly 
Adolfi, yes. I think, is the actress. The actress that plays Fran. She's from Britain. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Britain. Okay. The, I don't know if the character is from there, but the actual actress is from Britain. Yes, I love. I mean, I love her. She's just the way she carries herself. Um, the way she wishes Annie was more confident in herself. Uh, even her work husband Ahmad, he is very supportive and wishes that she would speak up more. And, you know, do things that um, will promote her career positively. So they're definitely supportive, but they have their own lives. Yeah. They are their own people. And so it's not just, you know, support characters. Right. They're not here in service of the white lady. Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. So what's your hot take? My hot take is that, so I don't like intimacy scenes in any movies or shows. What? I just, I don't. I don't know. I feel like... That can happen in the background. Like, we don't need to see it. <laughs> okay. So, I, I don't know. I feel like this you hot take is... You can't watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It's telling me. Yeah, you can't watch it. I will it. fast forward through sex scenes, kissy scenes. I just... I, 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 and it's with anyone. I don't care if you're, you know, heterosexual, homosexual. I just don't want to see it. I don't want to see anyone making out. I don't. I don't know why. Maybe it's a childhood thing. I, I, if I ask any further questions, it would, this yeah, podcast this is going to get like a turn into like a psychological evaluation yeah, of you. I'm, f- I'm just I'm so fascinated. your hot take was there was too many. No, oh, I just her hot take why, is there should be none. Why put it in anyway? I just I don't know. That's a hot hot take. Can I say why it's important in this show? What intimacy? Because yeah. she's fat. Yeah, I mean it's not. I mean I think it's great that finally we're not watching two people with abnormal six packs making out with each other <laughs> um you know or unrealistic eating goals or yeah, whatever but to see to see uh you know a fat woman enjoying sex yes. yeah yeah like the first episode it was fine but then i was just like okay i'm, I'm okay. you got it after that that's point. enough i'm done okay <laughs> i have problems i'm i'm asking for hot takes so i'm accepting of so, all hot takes no joe rogan right now <laughs> sorry <laughs> I don't know how Joe Rogan feels about intimacy about scenes. I'm going to guess he's supportive of them <laughs> at all times. Oh, yeah. For little or no context. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I hope he listens to this episode. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I mean, I feel like d- females were definitely taking control of the show or taking the lead roles. Um, Do you but I feel, I feel like all of their roles are different. I don't feel like... Again, you know, with her roommate Fran, I don't feel like she was a stereotypical black best friend That's support a good point. character. Um, I feel like Annie was, you know, true to herself in, in every which way she could be. Um, so I, but I do feel, I don't know, like I feel like her boss is kind of a caricature. Yes, and he's discriminating against her, but it's based on her weight. It's not necessarily the fact that she's a woman. So I don't feel like the women are treated badly because they're women. I feel like it's, you know, Can the I focus ask you is her weight. about the strippers? Well, hold on. Yes. Go back. Strippers. So you said her boss treats her differently because of her weight. Yes. But do you think her boss would have treated a fat man differently because of his weight? Yes. No. Wait, yes. I got confused. <laughs> Well, because yes, he, he talks about good. he treats men and women the same the, the, based on the their fats or something, right? Or the yes. fatties. Yeah, I can't remember what he says. Yeah, he wants okay. everyone because to, that's the thing, right? Like, yes, we discriminate against fat women, but mm-hmm. dudes who are overweight. There's also a don't generational thing with her boss. 
Because he's speaking down to the millennials quite a bit. Oh, yes. I guess I don't pick up on it because <laughs> maybe I don't necessarily disagree. You are a millennial. I know, but I'm on the cusp. I'm right there on the borderline. So I could go one way or the other just depending on my mood that day. Um, but I, I you know don't know. that's something a millennial would say, <clears throat> right? No, shut up. So, well, because he talks about like these fat, lazy millennials <laughs> yes. who aren't doing anything. It's not just men and wi- or women. It's not based on their gender. It's their weight. So he thinks that people who are overweight are just lazy, which is not, we know, is not the right, case. Right. It's not true. So... Um, so I don't really feel like there are plenty there of lazy are... people in this world, fat and skinny alike. Oh yes, uh, yeah, <laughs> amen to that. Um, but so I I know her boyfriend, her boyfriend this season is what he, was his name? I he, can't remember. I can't, I can't even remember. He reminds me of this guy I used to date who played video games all day long, and just what's wrong with that? Like he's not making an income. Are doing anything? Oh, okay. I see. I see. To so add value, you're, you're not saying that he like comes home and plays video. No, no, no. Okay. No, I mean it's like he. You're saying he, he wakes up and po- plays. He does a podcast about. <laughs> it's uh, about, Ryan. His name is Ryan. What is the what is talking trash? Yes. So they they do a podcast all about Alcatraz. That's like their entire podcast, and it's. I called feel like I would listen to that talking trash. I don't, I don't know. I mean that's a clever title, but that's basically that's all. It's a great title. All they I mean, do. I want to have an Alcatraz podcast just for that title. I don't think they're getting endorsements. I don't think they're getting paid. Um, so, yeah, he's just... Well, we're not getting paid either, but that's because we no, do this at work. No, no, but you have full-time jobs on top of this, and I should be doing mine right now, but... Um, you are. You're I am. You're supporting your faculty's of, creative yes, endeavor. exactly. That is so true. Uh, but he's just, you know, this... I don't. I don't even. I don't want to say he's stereotypical. I'll, I'll say he's a man baby. Yes. He's a man baby. Yes. So here, let me talk to you about this terminology for just a minute. Yes. Why did you say man baby? Because he has not cut the cord between himself and his parents. He uses his yeah. mother's oh, car. Yeah. She does his laundry You're, for him. Okay. Yes. I, I understand why you said baby. Why did you say man baby? Because it's fun. It's fun to say man bun. It's fun to say man baby. No. <laughs> Because I think so, so, boy here's, baby. Here's why I'm asking. Because in a minute we're going to talk about Grey's Anatomy. And one of the characters keeps getting called a man whore. And at first you're like. Yeah, baby's at, just a baby. At I get first it. you're like, hey, that's great. Let's call out the man for being, you know, over-sexualized or whatever. But then you're like, why did you say man whore? Yeah, because yeah. the word whore is supposed to just mean women. In this case, I'm saying man baby to indicate that he's a grown adult. He's an adult So he's an baby. adult baby? So let's say it that way. He's an adult baby. Okay. I mean, I assumed he was an adult because he was in a relationship with another yeah. adult. Otherwise, it would be creepy. So, yeah. But I, I just... I'm I not jumping on you. I just, re- <laughs> just want to examine the terms because, no, again... Let's unpack that. For a yeah. minute, you think, that's great. Let's address a man who's immature and doesn't meet... Yes. responsibilities and there's kind another of term but we can't say it on the takes, podcast takes advantage of his of, girlfriend yes right and there are plenty of people in the world who do yes. that one and doesn't and i want to call her his girlfriend yeah there's yeah there's that so it's i mean it's it's what and i can see why fran her roommate is mad at her oh if one of my friends was dating that guy yeah i would try to sabotage it so hard <laughs> so let me ask you this do you think the show wants us mm. to see him as 
a turd. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He yeah. is a useless human so being. So the show is so. I mean, because that's 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 honestly, you know, I wouldn't the say issue. he's useless. He could be useful. He just chooses not to be. That's honestly the issue that I have with a lot of shows where they have characters like this mm. is that they portray them as being, oh, but they're still redeeming because of this, right? And it's like, yeah. well, if you're if you're taking advantage of someone and you're adding no value to a relationship, and you're I mean, it's clear. And you're not even willing to admit someone's your girlfriend. I mean, he sounds like a real dirtbag. So, to ha- I mean, it's fine to have a dirtbag as long as the show is portraying them as such. Yes. They, oh, I, think, they are. I don't know if she... And not a lovable goof, you know? Way. Oh, yeah. I don't know yeah, if she think, sees him that way, but her friend definitely sees him that way. I mean, she totally had the option of, you know, connecting. I'll say connecting trying to clean up my language here with her friend's brother who is put together what do you mean by connecting (laughs) (laughs) turn him red like he just you know i mean they did well i don't want to spoil anything but there was a moment and he lives far away so it's kind of hard to maintain that relationship but you know it's clear she can do i don't want to say better better but she can (laughs) She can raise her expectations of, of the people that she dates. She should. She's basically settling. Yeah, yeah. she's settling. So, and she even admits it. It's like I'm happy. He's no, this finally is the coming best around. Example. So, when, like the first episode, she leaves his house. His roommates are home. He has. She has to climb over the back fence because he's embarrassed about her. Like that's the kind of guy we're talking about here. And I don't think he was embarrassed again by her looks. It was just. I don't. I don't know why. Would he? I mean, he should be excited. I felt like it was based on her weight. <laughs> he had a girl in his house, but he introduces her later to his friend. Well, because she demands it. I think people will treat you to the lowest common denominator you accept. And when she accepts leaving out the back door, she leaves out the back door. And when she says you're not going to do that to me anymore, he doesn't do it to her anymore. True. We do accept what we think we deserve. This is true. And we shouldn't. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes in Grey's Anatomy, not to bring it up before it's my turn, but uh, is when Christina is saying to her, her fiance, we'll have plenty of money. We can buy a wife because she they're talking about how she doesn't care about cleaning or cooking uh. um, or taking care of the house. Like she wants to go to work and be a surgeon and uh so I think this idea of settling, not settling is is interesting because it's definitely something that all adults have to figure out and navigate in relationships, right, is when to say this is settling. Oh, yeah. When to say I deserve more or I want something different. Exactly. And when to say here's, you know, you want a wife. We want to be married to each other. So she says we'll have money. Let's buy a wife and just love each other, right? So just to clarify terms in a relationship. But she means like we're going to hire a maid, not like we're going to. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, what she's saying is like. We're not entering trafficking here. Okay. No, 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 no. You took it to a whole. Well, I just wanted to clarify. I was thinking the person was a willing participant. No. (laughs) My God. So, yeah, that's, that's, you know, the show. My show for the moment. Well, it's a great book as well. And, um, you know, if you're a podcast person, Lindy West has been on many episodes yes, of This I've American heard, Life. Yeah. Yes. 
I've uh, heard some of her episodes and I enjoy listening to her. So, and she she does a lot. Lindy West does with uh, internet trolls. Yes. Um, oh yeah. She does a lot of writing about that as well. Yeah, that was also on the show. That was amazing. But both she and Ad Bryant actually have quit Twitter for similar reasons. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Just a toxic. Yeah. Toxic I can see place. That. Yeah. And the more obviously the more famous you are. The worse the more mm-hmm. you get. Well, and the more that you are outspokenly outside of the norm. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's not apologetic for who she is. Right. At all. Right. And yeah. she shouldn't be. Exactly. And, I mean, that's actually something that one of Lindy West's internet trolls told her when she, she's this whole thing where she tracks him down and talks to him, but that's what he said. It made me mad that you were fat and okay with it. Yeah. So then I felt the need to terrorize you on the internet, basically. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that you were happy with yourself. So you said this show is getting a second season? Yes. And it will have two more episodes. So eight. So eight. So yes. still bingeable? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could watch that in a day. Okay. Yeah. Goals. Cool. I want to see how my life, I mean her life, ends. <laughs> <laughs> is it time? For? Me to talk about Grey's Anatomy. Oh, my God. And that's all for... <laughs> <laughs> Man. Allegra has been waiting, what, 20... 20- Years. Five episodes to be able to talk about this. How long has that show been on? This is its 15th season. I think I stopped after the sixth. I've never watched one episode of the show. Never so you just have to believe once. everything I tell you. Okay. Well, that's one way to look at this. So it's in its 15th. <laughs> it's in its 15th season. There are 338 episodes, which if you're doing math and wondering. It's too many. Yeah. I've seen them all multiple times. That's how I got to the, you have. to the hours. Uh, it's created by Shonda Rhimes. There are six executive producers, or there have been six executive producers of the show. Of them, three are women, three are men. It was designed intentionally to be primarily about women, so that's not an accident. And it was created to intentionally make a statement against racism. Can I tell you what I think this show is before you school me on what it actually is? Oh, sure, is? yeah. So I think this show is knockoff ER because this is my opinion. <laughs> I don't even know what that would mean, knockoff ER. Like I feel like there was a very successful medical show, and so somebody said, "Hey, let's make another one of those." And this is like like a copy of a copy is never as good. I, I'm basing this on no information whatsoever, but that obviously is my opinion. No, they don't. They don't work in the ER. Okay, they're surgeons. Uh, no, I mean, I don't know. I've never seen ER, but I, I haven't as- either. I assume you've never seen either one and you just assumed one was a knockoff of the other well, one. Well, ER came first. Go With on, though. Dramas. Go on. Tell me about the show. Shonda Rhimes said from the very beginning that the show needed multiple characters who were multifaceted. She wanted it to be an ensemble show and she wanted the characters on the ensemble to have real nuanced backgrounds and lives to have real things happen to them, to have experiences people could relate to. Um, And it's not like, you know, an after school special where we have a special issue every day um, or every episode, but she did want to include important topics or important things that happen to people. What's interesting about the way the show was put together is it used something called colorblind casting, which is better than it sounds, because I know usually we hear the term colorblind and we think it's um, kind of ignorant, but it means casting without regard for race. So it Well, means- because when casting calls come out, generally they describe right. the physical characteristics they want. 
So colorblind cast. Yeah, we're looking for a tall white man. We're looking for an older black woman. Um, So they removed those. They removed those. In some case, I mean, they did have to make mentions of age because obviously the chief of surgery has to be, you know, older and interns in a surgical program have to be in their 20s. I mean, they don't have to be, but they're in their 20s. Um, Colorblind casting isn't always ideal because we do want storylines that are relevant to race, that are intentional. So we don't just want a to put a black person on the show to say we have black people. If there are black characters, I think it's important that they um, talk about and discuss what it's like to be a black person. So, But the show did that. So they didn't write the whole show before they did the casting. They created an ensemble. They did the colorblind casting. And then based on who was cast... Um, they created some backstories for those people. So Richard Weber is the chief of surgery. He's played by James Pickens Jr. He's a black man. And he has storylines and backgrounds and things in his life that are related to being a doctor in the 70s and being discriminated against because he was the only black person in his program and things like that. So they do make a very intentional conversation. And there are a lot of uh, characters played by actors of color in the show. And they talk about how race impacts their lives. That's not all they talk about, but they do talk about it. Um, <clears throat> Shonda Rhimes said, and this is a quote, I wanted to create a world in which you felt as if you were watching very real women. Most of the women I saw on TV didn't seem like people I actually knew. They felt like ideas of what women are. They never got to be nasty or competitive or hungry or angry. They were often just the loving wife or the nice friend. But who gets to be the bitch? who gets to be the three-dimensional woman. So she wanted to build in some of the reality of what it's like to be a woman. The original cast, Ellen Pompeo, that's the gray in Grey's Anatomy, Sandra O, oh, Catherine Heigl, Justin Tambers, T.R. Knight, Chandra Wilson, Patrick Dempsey, McDreamy, <laughs> James Pickens Jr. and Isaiah Washington. So even then, from the very beginning, the core ensemble, which obviously has changed in 15 years, some good representation. And by the second or third season, we, we add additional characters. And of course, er- characters come and go over the course of 15 seasons. I'll just tell you the characters. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> Meredith, <laughs> Meredith, Alex, Bailey, Weber. I think those are the only four of that core group who are still on the show. Some okay. of them have died. Some of them have left. Um, some of them got fired. So why why do you love this show? So I, I would agree with Shonda Rhimes. I think it's aspirational. It's kind of like Star Trek. It takes place in this almost fictional universe where people have healthy, well, I'll just say this. <laughs> people are honest. Women are powerful and respected on their own terms. Um, women in charge of things aren't just acting like men. Um People of all races and all sexual identities, all religions, they're respected, they're treated like people, and topics that actually impact us aren't off limits because they are tough to talk about. A woman created the show, women write the show, I mean, there are male writers also, Uh, women often direct episodes, and women literally run the show. Shonda Rhimes was a showrunner for a long time. Oh, is she not still? No. Oh. And now... um, a different woman, Krista Vernoff, is the showrunner. Diverse characters, diverse actors. Um, you know, there's a trans character played by a trans actor. Uh, gay actors playing 
gay characters in some cases, you know, Muslim actors, actors of all ages, sizes, you know. So it's just real true representation and they get to talk about things that really impact their lives. So trans characters who talk about in some episodes what that's like and in some characters they just, you know, they're treated with respect and they're doctors. It's just awesome. But but what? Characters have different I mean, some characters have different priorities. Some people want to balance being a mom and a surgeon. Some people want to focus on their careers. There are people who adopt children. There are people who have children. There are people who raise other people's children. There's lots of um, different kinds of families and different compositions of families and lots of explorations of female friendships and how those can sometimes be challenging, sometimes get competitive. I mean, it's not just a rosy picture of females holding hands, skipping through a field, right? They go through real things together as friends. We'll call each other at least twice a month and, and we'll text all the time. Oh, hey, text text me. me. And don't let Owen get all dark and twisty. Take care of him. And Alex, take care of Alex. He needs to be mocked at least once a day or he'll be insufferable. Don't get on any little tiny planes that can crash or stick your hand in a body cavity that has a bomb in it or offer your life to a gunman. Don't do that. Don't be a hero. You're my person. I need you alive. You make me brave. Okay. Now we dance it out. You are a gifted surgeon with an extraordinary mind. Don't let what he wants eclipse what you need. He's very dreamy, but he is not the sun. You are. So it explores things that I've been through, but more important to me, it goes through things that I've never been through. And it uses narrative to teach empathy and humanity and humor. So I've never been in a domestic violence situation, but there are episodes that I think explore that in very deep, nuanced, real ways. And, and you know, I can't tell you how realistic it is because it's not something that I've been through, but I feel like I have a deeper understanding. So what's your disclaimer? What, but? What's the but? <laughs> so, I mean, you've never seen it. Christina, no. have you seen it? Yeah, I watched like the first six seasons. So there's a lot of womanizing. Yes. That we... That's what I was going to ask. What do you mean by that? I mean, like there are characters who have sex with like eight different women in a span of, you know, two months. I feel like that's a lot of TV. And so, but what happens is that initially we condemn them, those characters. So the two characters who do it a lot are Sloan and Alex. And so we're like, oh, they're awful. But then pretty quickly, we're supposed to forgive them. And it's almost supposed to be like, oh, isn't it amazing? They went from being that way to being decent guys. And, and in a lot of cases, you know, falling in love with the quote, right woman. Reforms, oh, it fixes them. Reforms them and they change their ways. That That is principally in the first three or four seasons that that happens. The treatment of some female characters is pretty bad. So if you uh, are familiar with Sif Nurse, there's an outbreak of syphilis okay. in the hospital. And it's blamed on a single, I mean, they, the characters oh, like blame a typhoid Mary? on Olivia, this nurse. And it, it's really like she had sex with two different people in like a six month period. She's not, she's not the outbreak monkey, but they treat her like she is. Uh, and they call her Sif Nurse. It's classy. Yeah. They do bring her back like 12 seasons later and she's like, you know, advanced in her... <laughs> advanced in her career and they kind of redeem the whole storyline and show you know like oh Good. oh i mean we were terrible people we were jerks 
I think the biggest disclaimer is there's a scene where Meredith does this whole speech, uh, the pick me, choose me, love me speech. Here it is. Your choice, it's simple. Her or me. And I'm sure she's really great. But Derek, I love you. In a really, really big, pretend to like your taste in music. Let you eat the last piece of cheesecake. Hold a radio over my head outside your window. Unfortunate way that makes me hate you. Love you. So pick me. Choose me. Love me. She's happy with her boyfriend. His He's left his wife. His wife comes back into the picture, and he struggles with whether he should be with Meredith or he should be um, faithful to his wife because of his marriage vows. And so he's struggling with that decision. And at first she says, you know, you decide, you do whatever you want to do. And then she does this whole speech where she says, pick me, choose me, love me. And some people really have a problem with it. Some people think that it's terrible that Derek ever put anyone in this situation. Some people think uh, that she's like desperate and pathetic and weak for making this speech. I think it's the opposite. Why? I mean, I think it takes a lot of courage and strength to make yourself that vulnerable and to say to a person who has a high likelihood of rejecting you, I love you and I hope you pick me. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah, I would never do that. So (laughs) why am I not surprised? I don't see it as like a desperate begging. I see it as a very courageous, honest moment. I like don't settle for me better. Well, I mean, I think the thing is they knew that they were in love with each other and him being with someone else was a matter of obligation. I mean, I I think it's just a different... his wife, because he took a marriage vow? She cheated on him. That's why he left her. It's very complicated, Misty. Okay. God get a divorce that's all i'm saying it's easy she cheated wait who cheated derek's wife yeah she cheated on him yeah and oh. he left her and then she yeah, came I back an- I and he struggled with whether or not to give her a second chance yeah the whole cat and mouse thing just uh, aggravates me between him and meredith yes yeah. just some people one. don't like it and some people or you pick know none. <laughs> pick none That's my choice. So I would argue that no television show in the history of television has a better representation than Grey's Anatomy, if only by virtue of the fact that it's been on forever, 15 seasons and has a huge ensemble, not to mention that there are, you know, patients who are on for one, two or three episodes. And so you can introduce a lot of diverse um, situations and backgrounds. SVU. Yeah. Just by nature of what the show is, you have the ability to bring in a lot of people. A lot of people. Even if it's a one-off. But the, the thing is, they have these opportunities and they make great use of them from the very beginning. They have gay characters, trans characters, bisexual characters, characters who are coming out, realizing their sexuality. Um, they talk about how, you know, the challenges associated with coming out, the being rejected or accepted by their family. They have mental health and mental illness. So one of the main characters has a uh, mental illness. She has OCD. And they don't just, just like you were saying with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, they don't just say, oh, yeah, she's got OCD. Oh, no, this bad thing happened. And by the end of the episode, she's cured. It goes on for many episodes and it explores how challenging it can be to find the right therapist to find the right treatment to find a way to balance 
your mental health, with your workload. And she finds a way to manage and treat it. But again, it doesn't magically go away. You know, several seasons later, she, you know, mentions that she's still having this problem. So it's a realistic portrayal of mental health, mental illness, mental health and mental illness. Uh, there are people who have physical disabilities, there are amputees, and again, it's not something that they talk about in one episode and it disappears, it comes back. There are veterans who have PTSD, characters struggle with aging and when they should retire, I mean, all kinds of things. But I think what's important about the representation isn't just how many boxes do they check, but really how how many people in the audience can watch this show and see someone who resembles them. So if you are a very devout Christian, if you are a veteran, if you're a mom, if you're a working mom, if you're a widow, if you're mentally ill, if you're an immigrant, if you're trying to learn a second language, if you're in poverty, if you've been sexually assaulted, if you've been in a domestic violence situation, if you have PTSD, um, you know, it's not tokenism it's actually like representation you can watch it and you can see someone who looks like you and who's gone through experiences similar to yours it a lot of people talk about you know they love april kepner because she was a very religious person she prayed about things she talked about god she wore a cross and she was a scientist that was important to a lot of people to see that on tv it's so real, they were fully fleshed out, absolutely. nuanced characters. And she wanted to save herself for marriage, and she struggled with being attracted to people. I mean, there they had real experiences that people could relate to in all kinds of different ways. Oh, like real life. Yeah. I mean, there's a Muslim character who, who covers her hair, and you can see things that remind you of yourself or things that you can relate to. Or maybe things you can't relate to, and it's a window into that world. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like some of the characters are in AA. Some of the characters are struggling with addiction. There's, like I said, adoption. So things that you've been through and can relate to and things you haven't been through and you can build a sense of empathy and understanding. I mean, it's the true power of narrative. It's what I teach my students is the power of literature, but it's there on TV. Now, is it over-dramatized and yeah, sure. It's a TV show, right? Yeah, is they, it is it mostly about romance? Sure. What about gender roles? What about gender roles? I there mean, are none. I mean, it's kind of the whole focus of our podcast. There so. are no gender roles in this TV show. Explain. They just, they don't exist. I mean, I can't even imagine a world where that's possible. No. You should watch the show. They not, don't exist. Not even a little bit? No. Like a hint here and there? No. So here's why I'm saying there are no gender roles. Sometimes, when, I mean, like, why are you making that face at I'm, me? I'm confused. I'm so, interested. I mean, so think about what a gender role is, right? It's the expectation that men do certain things mm-hmm. and women do yeah. other things. Yeah. That does not exist in the show. There are plenty of women who have absolutely no idea how to boil water. There are plenty of men in this show who can cook Thanksgiving dinner all by themselves. And in fact, in the first two seasons, both of those things happen. There are women who are in charge of the hospital sometimes. Sometimes it's a man who's in charge of the hospital. There are several women department heads. Women and men share childcare duties. There are You're, you na- you're never is... going to see a show with more men carrying babies around than Grey's Anatomy. Do you feel like that's an unrealistic representation it's aspirational so it's It's ideal yes it is aspirational Mm -hmm. i mean their 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 relationships are open and they have communication and they struggle with balancing home and work and all of those kinds of things so 
Christina Yang, time and time again, defends her position that she doesn't want to have a baby. She's honest about why. She doesn't waver. She's very tough. She's the toughest character in the first half of the show. But there are times when she breaks down and starts crying. But there are also times when men start crying. A different character, Bailey, time and time again, demonstrates that she wants to be and can be both a mom and a top-tier surgeon. So those two things are completely different. Those two women get along just fine. You know what I mean? And one is not seen as the ideal and the other is not the fall guy. Neither one, right? You see where both of them is coming from. Now, I'm sure if you are a person who thinks that kids and family are very, very important and you see Christina, maybe that's hard for you to understand. But the show is definitely not telling you that she's wrong or that she's bad. How does it do with a male... There are lots of relationships on the show, right? Some good, some not good. And there are lots of exceptions. The major message is that consenting adults get to make decisions about their own lives and their choices should be respected. Women don't accept being sidelined. Women don't accept being marginalized. Women don't accept being left out of things. Are there characters who are mansplainers or cheaters or idiots? Are there men who don't listen to women? Sure. But those people are shown for what they are. The show is not saying, look at them, they're awesome. The show is saying, look at them, they're idiots. Mm -hmm. For the first half of the show, a man is the chief of surgery and then Bailey takes over. And it's not like, oh my God, a woman can do this job. She just does. And then there's a a period of time where she steps back and takes a sabbatical from being chief because she is overwhelmed by her mental health issues being a mom, being a wife, and being the chief of surgery. And so she's very honest about it and takes a step back, gets some help with her mental health issues, and then comes back into the role. Like, it's very realistic, and it has, I mean, I just think it treats women the way I wish women were really treated. Um, There are male friendships. Those are not the strongest moments of the show. Like, they go on all dude camping trips. And, you know, but they there are men who are vulnerable and honest with each other and they have some, you know, buddy scenes. But there are lots of times when men cry, men grieve. Um, there's a, a character, a male character who's, who struggles with PTSD. And so he has a lot of emotional breakthroughs and breakdowns in the course of the show. I would say that it's breaking ground basically in every single episode. Uh, just a few weeks ago, there was an episode about sexual assault. And I don't want to get into the weeds about it, but it's all about women finding strength from each other and helping each other and being there for one another, standing up for each other. So what's your hot take, Allegra? I have so many. I have so many. Christina just hit herself in the head with the microphone. Um, (laughs) I think my hottest hot take, not that I wanted, you know, would ever want anyone to die, obviously, (laughs) but I prefer Meredith after her husband dies. Not right after, because she's, like, sad. Spoiler alert. From seven <laughs> years ago, sure. Hey, I'll catch up someday. Uh, I prefer her after. Why? So, as Christina mentions, in the first few seasons, they do have, like, a cat and mouse situation. And she's not always the cat, and she's not always the mouse, but they're always, right, they're together, and then they're not together. She's pursuing him. He's pursuing her. They're One of them's not sure. They break up. They get back together. That whole thing's happening. And then there are, they get married, and there's a whole... I don't know, five, four, three, I don't know. I don't do math. But there are a number of seasons where they're married and stable and healthy and they communicate and they're vulnerable with each other and they have children and they have a very stable, healthy relationship. And then all of the kind of love, sex, drama is happening with other characters, but they are adults. And that's great. 
but it's boring. It's not boring because again, they still have all this drama happening with other characters. I don't, I, and I don't think I don't like that he's dead because I do like him and his character. But she is freaking amazing in the most recent few seasons. I mean, she becomes a, and who knows if this would have happened if he was still alive. But I just like her better without him. She's a department head. In every single relationship she has since he dies, she is definitely the alpha in the relationship. And I'm not saying that women always have to be, but it's nice on a show that a woman is. She wins awards. She invents things. There are all kinds of things that she does that are just incredible. She does it while being a single mom to three kids. She has these great relationships with her sisters. There's just... It's she turns into in a really incredible person. And I think most people who are fans of Grey's Anatomy say I miss Derek. And there are even people who just stopped watching it when he died because they liked him that much, um, <laughs> which I like him, too. But I just think she's cooler without him. How did she have three kids already? It's been 15 years. What? Wow. I mean, it's been 15 seasons. Each. I mean. I think one Each, one calendar seasons. year of their life is the first three seasons, but oh wow, we go into why we love these things. Yeah, so so we started by talking about fangirls, and I want to stop. I want to finish by talking about why we love things because we connect with something within them. Uh, for crazy ex girlfriend, for me, it's this message that women deserve and should do so much more for themselves than what they do. Like that is, if I could be an evangelist for this show for no other reason, it's for that. I like that you use the word evangelist. I do too. I feel like I'm <laughs> like one step away from standing on a cardboard box outside and passing out pamphlets about this show because no one will watch do it you, with me. Do you think that women who have internalized misogynist messages in their lives as a result of watching the show might change their paradigm? I hope it will at least consider make them consider why they feel the way about themselves that they do. Do you think men who watch the show, I don't know how you necessarily get a misogynist man to watch the show, but do you think a man watching this show would change his paradigm if I he started they, out as a misogynist? I think they would be confronted with the same thing. Um, we've played on this show a song from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend before about men not really knowing how to communicate in emotional terms and mm -hmm. so they use sport analogies yeah and so i think there's things like that sprinkled throughout the show where it's not just focused on one gender okay um, and there's another one about the character nathaniel who has a really demanding father and then their boss in the office daryl is this like lovable teddy bear of a person and he's like well just if you can't take a nap go take a man nap because it's manly if you call it a man nap <laughs> And that'll make it okay. Yeah. Why do you think we love things? Well, me personally, I can't speak for anybody else. But I love because I get to escape reality. That's okay. There's a, there's a reason. Yeah. I mean, so there are things that we see. We talked about this a little bit. There are things we see on TV that we relate to. Like we see there ourselves there. And there are things that we've never been through, but we can learn about. We can reinforce positive paradigms. So if you are already a person who is a feminist and you watch a show, it helps you kind of reinforce and celebrate these ideas that women can be, you know, anything they choose to be and they can assume positions of power and it's not unusual. Uh, I think they help us make sense of ourselves and our experiences. 
But I think we're attracted to like the packaging of TV shows. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the way that music scores the moments. I think the way we see people's expressions and can decode their facial expressions as we watch them. The scenery, big details, little. I mean, even just like the purses they have or the shoes that they wear. Like we are examining those details. But the stories have meaning, right? They have themes. They communicate messages. So they show you a guy who's a jerk and either you're meant to love him or hate him. And so the shows are valuing and promoting different ideas. And we are always, as humans, I think, hungry for that kind of content. Whether we're reading a novel or watching a TV show, I think that if it's meaningful and it communicates a theme, it serves that purpose. I don't know that like Transformers movies serve that purpose for us. I don't know that they are valuing or promoting things. I don't know that they're communicating themes or ideas. I don't know that they're helping us with our paradigms, but TV shows like the ones we're talking about definitely do. And and when there are consequences for things on TV shows, even if they're not fair, we get to see action and reaction. And I think that's some kind of closure or like instant gratification. Well, the other thing is if you like shows like these, then you have to support these shows. And these shows in particular bring new voices to the table. Yeah. Add females into the writing room and to directing yeah, and to executive absolutely. producing. And all of those things are important too because if you don't have that, you don't get new and fresh stories. Absolutely. We're just going to see the same thing over and over and over and over again. For a long time, there was the entire block of prime time on ABC was executive produced by one black woman. And so the support for those shows, that's Shonda Rhimes, right? The support for those shows shows you how important it is to everyone to hear different new perspectives and ideas. And then shows like Shrill, and there are other shows that have dealt with, you know, being uh, a woman, being a fat woman, being, you know, all of those, that show Dietland on AMC. Never seen that. Um, that got canceled because and so it's important i think what you're saying like supporting the shows because it's important to reinforce right bringing new people into the conversation and i mean don't just support it because a woman wrote it right right but if if it's it's something that you value and if it's something that's bringing meaning to your life then you should support it for that reason exactly yeah so many people who think allegra is a man's name really Oh, I just got an email that said, sir. Good day, sir. <laughs> I started addressing all my emails to you with sir. Is that what's next in your <laughs> No, I'm good. I got it. We're ready. Hey, Misty. Yes. First of all, I love that on our shared document, you put me instead of your name. <laughs> I did. Instead of saying Misty, you just put me. Because it's all about you, I guess. I forgot it's not my document. It's anyway, on my computer. It's on all of our computers. We're literally all looking at it right now. Yeah. What's next in your lady life? Um, this is coming up on final exam week. So that's a fun time for me. Because you like to judge people and students? No, because I have to get all the grades in from all the professors that are in my department. It doesn't sound fun, to be it's honest with you. It's really not. <laughs> What's next in your lady life? Well, you know, I started rewatching Grey's Anatomy again. Oh my god! As preparation for today's podcast, and uh, I got to the third season, so I'm just gonna have to keep watching it. 
Christina, what's sex in your lady life? I'm not even <laughs> dealing with that one. Well, you know, birthday. I did recently read an article about how if you have anxiety problems, re-watching certain television shows that you find comforting can be a way to alleviate anxiety. Or you could read the same book. Is that on The Onion? Or Books are no. also good for that. There are things specific to TV shows okay. oh, that's interesting. that can help alleviate anxiety. Children like to watch repetitive shows. So I'm just saying... It's part of my mental health treatment. Oh, so I have to be supportive so of it? So you can't make fun of me. Christina, what's next in your lady life? Okay, so my birthday is around the corner, and I keep forgetting. Um, I think I'm going to... Big 4-0. I am not 40. <laughs> Any good plans? That's okay. I'm going to keep it clean. I like how the two of you are now just basically openly ignoring me, like I'm the <laughs> screaming child in the restaurant. <laughs> That analogy works for me. Is it an analogy or a metaphor? You're the English analogy. Right? Okay, I was right the first time. So cut this part out. But anyway, my plans are just to get out of the house. And it's been, I think, a good year and a half since I've done anything pedicure-wise. So I'm going to try to get that situation Exciting. cleaned up. Thank you for listening to this episode of Profess Hers, our podcast about seeing movies, culture, and history through our lady eyes. I'm Misty, and I like musicals. I'm Christina, and I'm rocking a swimsuit this summer, sans shorts, like the women at the pool party during episode four of Shrill. And I'm Allegra. I believe I'm licensed to do surgery now after the 500th hour of watching Grey's Anatomy. You would think that. We'd love to hear from you what you thought about today's episode, would you like to discuss in future episodes, or how great you think we are. Which is extremely great. To connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at ProfessHers, P-R-O-F-E-S-S-H-E-R-S, or by email, same address, professors at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you to everyone who has been listening, commenting, liking, and reviewing our podcast. Please keep doing all of those things, and we hope you recommend our podcast and your favorite show to a friend. And remember, don't settle for a bad relationship or a terrible TV show. Oh, man, it wasn't recording. I will punch you in the face. <laughs> Not doing it again. <laughs>